Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important types of lawyer we have in the judicial system who, if they weren't around, I am telling you, the machine would break. And yet they're the most maligned and underappreciated people, attorneys in the courtroom, and that's the public defender. Um, when someone cannot afford an attorney and our justice system requires representation when you are possibly facing prison time. So any misdemeanor or felony offense that carries a possibility of jail time, you are entitled to have a lawyer appointed. And that's where the public defender steps in. And my guest today is one of the best. Uh, I've seen her in action in court. She is a Fulton County public defender in Atlanta, Georgia. And welcome, Marilyn Primovic. Thank you, BJ. Thanks for having me. So I saw you this last weekend at the Criminal Defense Lawyers Seminar, and I said, we got to talk. <laughs> and that I need to, I want to talk um, here on Law Talk so that I want people to understand what is really involved. As like I said, people need you and yet they malign you. They complain, you know, I don't have a real lawyer. I mean, I know as a private attorney, right. I'll get calls and they'll say, Oh, I have this public defender and they're terrible and I need a real lawyer. Uh, and you get that <laughs> exactly. a lot. Absolutely. It's it's a love-hate relationship, I think, that um, the world has with us. We're attorneys. We go to law school. We work so hard. Um, we love our clients. We love what we do. But yet, at a times, we're looked down upon. Um, you know, we're very fortunate in the public defender's office, in my office, is we're, we have a lot of cases, but we are supported pretty well. We have actually have investigators. We have alternative mitigation specialists who try to find us alternatives to prison to present to judges. We have uh, we go on investigations. We visit people at the jail. We have it's, – it's a law firm. It is a, a bona fide law firm, but we're just not looked at that way. I – I think we're a um, society of you get what you pay for, and if you don't actually pay for us, except through your taxes, thankfully, the respect level sometimes goes with what you pay someone, and, and sometimes we think that you get what you pay for, but that is not the case when it comes to public defenders. Now, there are some things, though, that are different from the experience you have with the private attorney in terms of the timing of your accessibility to your lawyer. Absolutely. You know, with our high case count, we, we don't get to be as touchy-feely sometimes uh, with our clients or their families. We don't get to see them at the jail as much as we would want. However, we're still working on their cases. We're still filing motions and researching and going on investigations and, and talking to people. We're just not seeing you telling you all those things all the time. And that, that is an unfortunate part of it. We don't maybe um, return your phone calls as quickly as a private attorney may because of the volume. doesn't mean we don't care. It's just 
it's about time management and juggling the balls you have and figuring out, you know, what you're supposed to do next, what emergency is coming up, when you have court, when you have a trial scheduled. I have a tendency to ask my clients for patience when I'm prepping for a trial. I tell them, you know, your case is, of course, just as important as this person I'm prepping for trial and getting ready. And when it's your turn, when it's your when it's your go, I'm going to be here every day just about to see you on weekends. We'll be going over things. And if you present it to people up front and, and tell them, you know, they are important, their case is important, and please have patience, it's, it's pretty amazing that they kind of understand. But we need to communicate that with the family, with their friends, with them, that, yes, we're public defenders, but we are really kick-ass attorneys, and we care. Sometimes we care too much, but we care or we wouldn't be there. You know, and the other part on your timing is how much time you spend in court. And the best example I can give is, let's say there's a calendar call, and a calendar call is when all the cases that a judge has on a particular trial calendar are brought in. And I show up as the civil lawyer <laughs> waltzing in with my one case on the trial calendar, <laughs> insisting that I need to be going first um, and asserting all that. And the public defender there is through the several hours because you have clients throughout the day. So you're losing a whole day on a calendar call when I'm losing an hour. Exactly. Well said. And we appreciate you understanding that as a private attorney. <laughs> yes, we're there all day, and we have many cases to pre-trial, to plead, to argue motions. So that is a full chunk of our day. Sometimes you're in court three days a week. Sometimes you're in court four days a week. You have to juggle when you need to see your people at the at the jail, usually trial prep on weekends and at night. But yeah, that is that is a huge difference. But the good part is we don't that's where we are. We don't have to hit the road and travel like you guys do. So there's a give and take, but we are sucked into a full day. And and the judges expect us to be there. The judges expect us to be, you know, all day until everything is done and everyone is taken care of. And sometimes they're not our clients. And the judge was like, make sure that they're talked to and that they understand what's going on. And, and why they're in court and where their private attorney is, which is a task we're, we're all about um, because it's the client that matters. It's, it's the human being that matters. And we want them to know, make sure that they know the system, even if they're not our clients. And the other part, though, that I will, I will say is a bonus that I actually use sometimes, which is you are in front, generally speaking. So prosecutors get assigned to a particular judge for right. a period of time, and likewise, so does the public defender. So you get to know a judge day in, day out, their ticks, what pisses them off, what makes <laughs> them happy, right. how to speak to them. Exactly. And I know when I go to a new place, the first person I want to talk to or even call to in advance is the public defender there say, can you just give me some tips so I don't make a bad, a big mistake? A absolutely. Um, a lot of the smart private attorneys do that. They'll, they'll catch us in the hall or catch us before. We'll tell them how things like to be done. Maybe a bond argument that will trigger their humanitarian side, that will trigger them, things that they don't like. Absolutely. We, we have that advantage, which is a big deal, which is um, 
sometimes it is not good and comes as a detriment when you're talking to your client and you're saying, and he or she is giving you ideas and you're saying, well, this judge really, that's that's not good. This judge doesn't like that you're on probation on a felony case. This judge is not going to give you a bond. We'll have the argument. We're going to do it. But I'm just giving you, you know, fair advance so that you could be mentally prepared on what's going to happen in trial. Hopefully, I'm pleasantly surprised and he or she will give you the bond. But in my six years of being in front of this judge, it's not going to look good. And sometimes they don't take that very well. And they're like, well, you're not working with me. You're, I'm, nope, I'm just telling you from my experience what probably will happen. Hopefully not. So that, that, and here lately, I've noticed that to be kind of a detriment. And you have to watch how you say that to your client so they understand why you're telling that to your client. Not because you know, we're, we're not going to go in there and fight, not because we're not going to give it a try. I just want you to be mentally prepared when you go into court, how he or she works, what their, you know, their ticks and their not ticks are. Have you noticed a shift? You know, criminal justice reform, there have been things happening in the last few years that, let, I've been doing it 31 years, you've been doing it... 21. 21. Ah, oh, you're a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. in that lengthy period of time... There have been shifts in criminal justice reform that I thought would never happen and an appreciation of how many people we incarcerate and the general public has concerns. You know, before it was just, well, that doesn't involve me because I'm not a criminal until we have become so obsessed with everything being a crime and young people getting sentenced to very long crimes so that parents see it in a different way. You know, what as a child was a prank becomes a felony. Oh, absolutely. Um, Have you seen a shift as a public defender, because you're in there day in and day out, how the judges relate to you and to the clients? Is there more patience? Is there more understanding? I think think there is. Um, Our office gets great respect from... um, from the bench in Fulton County, as well as they should, um, but we do appreciate that. And I think they appreciate the attorneys and the level of skills and hard work, which I don't think 10 years ago the judges really appreciated public defender's office, and and a lot of judges did, but not not the vast majority as they do now, as you said. And, and I can say this because you can't necessarily say it. You know, so we, so for folks know, when you go into court, normally the, the full courtroom is filled with defendants. And so the lawyers sit in the jury box up front and the private lawyers are at the jury box. And then the public defenders are actually at one of the tables. The, the prosecutors at one table in front of the judge, the public defenders are at another table. So I'm sitting in the Nice seats, <laughs> right. the nice padded, cushy seats of the jury that, that's that swivel, and uh, you can relax while you're watching everything. And I have noticed a difference. Um, yes, private attorneys still usually go first, which does make sense in oh, the I sense agree. of getting you out to another court because you're only in Fulton, and Absolutely. I may be in Fulton, and then Cobb County right. or somewhere else. This is where we are day. all day, right? But there seems to be an attitude adjustment because there were sometimes I sat there and I just could not believe 
that someone who was a member of the bar was being spoken to by some judges I, in I, that fashion. I agree. And a lot of those have retired, by the way, and they're gone. But Absolutely. Um, it's not it, – it, it really was disturbing, really was disturbing. And 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 then the the public and the people in the – the audience will then reflect as the judge is going to reflect. Precise. And it just goes downhill from there. If the judge doesn't respect you, why should I? You must not be a real attorney. You must – there must be something going on here. Um, so that that trickles down to the respect to our, from our clients and from the friends and family that are watching. That is – or was – a problem that I, I think it's really and really and I am guessing because you're in a wonderful office, but there are a lot of offices there, and I don't know if the shift has happened all over the country. I, and perhaps I'll get some feedback when y'all listen to this podcast. If you had some different experiences, um, you can reach out, and and that may be something we talk about further. That um, Fulton has definitely evolved. Many places have evolved. I'm not sure yes. traveling the state like I do that it has everywhere. Right. We we do live in a good uh, environment in Fulton County, um, all the way from our office to our leaders to the judges, the, the DAs respect us. Um, I'm, I'm serious. When they know we are ready for trial and we're gearing up, they're thinking twice. And I don't think our clients or our families really realize that, that they they know we have resources. They know we work hard. They know how we argue in court. And they, they think twice about it. And I take pride in that in our office. And I take pride that we're going to go to trial. If our client wants to go to trial, we're going to trial. And the, the state knows that. I think the hard part that still happens, and I hear it, you probably do in some ways, but that someone will call me after they've talked to their public defender. And then I hear all these horrible things of how yes. nothing's been done and the deal is awful and they, they're they just not going to take it. And and that can be real. Absolutely. Um, but other times when I really listen or I get them in my office, I'm thinking to myself, you're about to pay me money and I'm not sure I can make it any better than what you already have. Or you're trying to they don't have money, so let me. They still qualify, but sometimes, family extended family will also right. step forward with money that wasn't available before. But then I go, you know, I'm not sure it can get better than this. Is it, there right. is just there is a reality to the situation, right? And and I think it goes back to you know you get what you pay for. If you hear that from someone that you just gave money to, I think it's you're more willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. Where with us. They have a tendency to think, well, you're just trying to get another another case off your big case count, another, you know, just something to move along with. And and really the, the opposite is true. We we can work hours and hours on any case that we feel we need to. We get we get paid a salary, thank God. And we can be and do with each case what we want. And if that's going to trial, we get paid the same. If it's going to the jail to see our clients, we get paid the same. If we're in investigations or research, we get paid the same. And that's not the case, I don't believe, with, with private attorneys. I think there's it costs more to go to trial um, than to work out a plea. And to us, we are constantly trying to work out mitigations and plea issues and at the same time prep for trial. And I think that is um, really, really important, and I don't think our clients always understand that or their families. So another piece of this that I want to talk about is I hear all these things that you have, but you have the volume. Yes, you have the volume, and, absolutely. And 
you know, for me personally, I don't have that kind of volume. And so I can spend a lot of time with my clients. True. I can meet all their family in a different way, multiple times, whatever I want. Because when you're in jail, you can't just, you know, make a phone call whenever you want. And so there are things I think that maybe folks would, if they knew how they could help you, they would really help their own case. Now, I, in private, may already anticipate all those things. And I may, you know, I have so many, I call it BJ's private probation, where if someone has a drug problem, then I'm already trying to get them in rehab and do those things in advance. Um, One, it helps their case. Two, it helps them as a human being. Absolutely. Because, you know, we have a crisis with drugs and alcohol. I mean, the majority of cases have that as its start. So how does someone who gets assigned a public defender help you help them? Great question. I think to be patient and not the call every day. An issue we have is three or four people will call concerning the same individual. So we ask our individual to give us your main contact. Your and client. then they, yeah, your our client, client correct, yep. our client, and give us a main contact, and then they can call everyone. That can't happen sometimes, so we'll call everyone back. That It's just precious time that is being taken away from us actually doing our real work when we have to return calls to the same person to tell them the same thing. Um, that takes up a lot of our time. Another thing that could help is if we are working on mitigation to get school records for us, to get, if they had mental health issues, to get us their mental health records from the places they have been, to get us do the little legwork like that or a lot of legwork like that, that will help us work out things quicker. We we subpoena education records. We, you know, we have the HIPAA waiver signed and we get records. It's just, it takes some time to do. And the quicker we can get those things done, the quicker legwork they can do for us, the the better it would be for their um, their family member. And to have patience and know that please don't call us six times a week for the same issue right. and then do it the next week. I, I can't imagine having a family member in, in jail. The the pressure and stress that must be, we just ask for some patience. That's all. And in terms of them helping, I mean, it's a fine line, though, because you have the attorney-client privilege with the individual, meaning that what you say is confidential between Absolutely. the two of you. And if you tell mom or the auntie or the brother or the sister or the child— that is not privileged. Right. So Correct. if you have this great idea as a defense <laughs> and then they're talking about it on a phone call oh. that is recorded at the jail, and we're going to get to jail calls in a minute because that's <laughs> like a 911 discussion, <laughs> um, you know, that that breaches it and that doesn't help as well. So Right. And, and, and thanks for bringing that up. And to understand that we can only really tell you the procedural issues. They're going to have court next Thursday at 930. Here's the courtroom number. I can I can send them the discovery. I can go over the police um, issues with them. I ask my clients specifically, what exactly can I tell your mom or your dad? Some of them will say, tell them everything. I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell them about our conversation because that is privilege. And they're like, no, you can tell my mom. And I'm like, well, we'll see, right? So some things are no way and some, you know, 
Um, he denies this, Mom, and we're trying to get a, a misdemeanor or a reduction or something that actually maybe fits the facts, or we're going to go to trial. And, this, and then we explain that procedure and how long it will take. So the majority of our conversations is just procedural matters and dates and, and, our, and our thoughts for bond with this judge or questions like that because the system is very confusing, especially if you haven't been in it before or if you have been in it before. It could be misleading to what is going on in this case here. It's different to the other cases that they may have been familiar with or not. And, and your issue is the same for anybody who has a, a criminal defense lawyer because I go through the same thing yes. where, you know, they're calling me. I'm like, I will get in the car. I will go see your son. I will tell your son what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't tell you this right now. Right. Or for me, if I'm asking funds for certain things to be done, let's say I want to get a psychiatric evaluation. I'm not even telling them what really what the funds are for per se. The client knows what the funds are right. for. I'm having to say, remember at the beginning when I told you I'm going to need some money to do some things for you? I need X amount of dollars. Right. And then, by the way, you can't see any reports. The only person who's going to know or not know what I've done or not done right. is your <laughs> – is a client, and so that drives people crazy, even on, in, in my side of the. Of Interesting, the, um, because if you're paying for it, why can't I know? I, yeah, that <laughs> is something I never thought about on your side. So. We, we have more in common than it, it's really interesting with the bar because there is, you know, we just went to the Georgia Association Criminal Defense Lawyers Conference, um, and there were 200 and something lawyers there, and there is a camaraderie. But we don't know each other as well as probably we should. It's true. Um, true. There is such a disparity in what – some things are exactly the same, and yet there's so many things that are different that we probably – we don't know each other as well as we should. And we should because our goals are the same. We want everything. We, we both fight really, really hard for our clients and the Constitution and, and trying to get what's right. Yeah, so that's the same. Absolutely. Now, what's also the same – is the devil of jail phone calls. Oh, my. It, it, it just, it's, obviously, it's, I can't even find words for it. It's amazing to me how many years I've been doing this, and they still talk on the phone. And the problem is everybody, when you speak to someone on a phone call, that you, they're collect calls from the jail, every call is recorded. And it says it, too. This phone, it, it says it every single time. And I, I don't understand. And, and what they don't understand is this, which is very real. District attorney's offices, certainly yours, for oh, sure, they have a direct- has an attorney and other staff that do nothing but every day listen to phone calls from that jail. Yes. It's, it is insane. that We get disks. Nine, we get disc with jail calls for disc, in discovery and say, hey, here's your client still talking about how they can't, you know, they can't, they'll never figure out that I did X, Y, and Z. And they think, you know, Tommy did it. And I mean, it is amazing what they say. And you have a really good case clear up to they talk on the phones. It's recorded. It is not a private conversation, people. And if family members could remember to tell, no. Let's talk about, you know, the family reunion. Let's talk about the weather. Let's How's talk about— How's the food? It's yeah, terrible. Right. We're How's, thinking about you. We love right. you. We support you. And, and, and we'll a, see you in court 
Monday. And and for people who are listening, you say, well, you know, they deserve it. They did it. They're confessing on tape. I, I'd like to remind people that some of those conversations to a prosecutor seems direct. Then I listen to them. I'm like, that's not even what they're talking about. So it's an opportunity to misconstrue what someone's saying, um, false True. bravado. Because the other situation is there, I mean, a whole nother podcast maybe one day about what the jails are like. It is not an easy existence. And there can be intense pressure put on by a roommate, a cellmate, a pod mate um, to do something or say something that's really not your intent and get pressure. And I've and I've heard of that happening as well. You know, and and again, this is the problem you know, with taped evidence. We're always arguing, you know, did you really mean what you were saying? Right. Or were you joking or or were you or were you coerced? And coercion is 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 a potential defense. And also, I think they want to tell the family members sometimes what they want to hear. And they want the family to know that they're going to be OK. I'm going to beat this mom. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be OK. And they may say things that's really not true. That sounds so bad to and, and especially when you're in trial and you hear these things. And he is false bravado, as you said. It's it's they're just saying things that they they just want their family to know they're okay sometimes and that they're gonna beat this and they're gonna win, and then they go on in a tangent that may not be true. May not be true. So one more piece of this of it beside what else as we as we get closer to the end is, you know, again. I have clients who can pay and I can cr- create programming or treatment or whatever. What recommendations do you have for folks who, even if they have a private attorney but they don't have a lot of money, are ways that they can do mitigation? Because a case, the other thing about cases is this. Once you're arrested, it takes, for the most part, a very long time to go to trial. And I've had, I think, things sometimes take three or four years before they go to trial. And there can be such a difference in the person's life that that even if they're convicted or they plea, you have shown a genuine, honest change. Uh, But without costing a lot of money. Yes. What kind of things would you recommend? Um, And again, like you were saying about the holistic thing, you know, just helping them as human beings as as well as their case. The United Way has an amazing... um, resources on the internet. Here in Metro Atlanta, we're we're very spoiled. We have a lot of programs that are free or close to free that if people ask around, and they even know about it at the jail or know about it talking with people, if the family could support that, that, that go to even AA meetings and NA meetings three or four five times a week, if the family will support them and say, hey, get to your program, or if if their work would get have them get to their program, they could slide into day uh, to day centers. There's Stand. There's St. Jude's is an incredible program, and there's so many more. There's a lot of Christian based programs that are really good. That if if they are of that you know of that religious thought and, and belief, that there's a lot of things that churches have. Mosques they, have mosques they, it, have them absolutely. Temples have them. Synagogues. Yep, yes. there are a lot of religious, community-based things out there. If you look for it, get on the internet and look. And as family members, if you can support them and say, "Hey, this will make you a better human being," plus it's going to help you in mitigation. Hopefully, sometimes that doesn't work, and that is, that is uh, very sad. But majority of the time, 
it will help them. And, and I always say to my clients, it may not help the case. It will help you. Because, you know, if you are really struggling, especially, you know, I have a soft spot for the young ones. Everyone right. knows I get a lot of, I've had a lot of young clients. That at 17, 18, 19, you can get past your drug and alcohol problems. Absolutely. What a miracle, even if even if you can't get past the case. Because then I get those clients who are in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, and trying to change their pattern. It's also possible, but incredibly difficult. Right. And you look back at their life and you say, wow, if you, even they're like, if I had only realized this when I was younger. Yes. And the majority of them do say that, too. And it's very sad. If only they had the resources or someone to direct them to a resource. And, and I think our office, the public defender's office, probably everywhere, tries to direct people to resources. And we have connections with people and we have programs available. Yeah, that it is sad for, for us older people. But... Um, there is always still hope, and we need to direct people and support them. That sounds like a good way to end, about support, being part of the process, and not giving up hope. Hope and, is and, huge. And, and yes, when you meet your public defender, just take a few moments to think about the things that we talked about and be a partner with them um, because it's your freedom at stake Absolutely. or a loved one's freedom at stake. And to be patient and hopeful and and to have faith in the system and to have faith in your attorney. That is a good thing. And it's why I picked our tea today. We have been enjoying a lemon ginger tea. And I, so the part I'm going to focus on is ginger because ginger actually releases anger and frustration. It helps you let go of resentment, jealousy, bringing you to a place of contentment and balance. And I, you probably share this idea, you know, so many of the cases that we have come from resentment, yeah. comes from anger, comes from pain. Absolutely. Thinking retribution in a violent manner solves something or seeking solace in drugs to get rid of the anger and the resentment and the pain. And um, instead... I would say, at least for today, a little ginger lemon tea. May we all drink good ginger tea. Exactly. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, BJ. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract. It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire.